VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, I, th- I think I think that the point that when the the leagues bit, bit more snappy, okay. The the um, <laughs> can can you leave in that four hour gap that Slotty where Slotty was cogitating there as well. Hi everybody, thank you for downloading us and listening to us. It's the Ruck, our top rating weekly podcast from the Times and Sunday Times, or this week, twice weekly. It's only two days since we sat in the studio with the same panel, actually. <laughs> Owen Slots of the Times and Mark Evans of 350 uh, rugby clubs and the eminence grise of professional rugby, as we in- announced him on Tuesday. Also, there's no point in having Mark here um, uh, and Owen without talking about pro rugby itself. Mark, uh, sparing his blushes, is one of the most important figures that pro rugby in England have seen. Not only because when he was at Saracens at the very start of the pro game, he introduced a car which brought on the kicking tee. <laughs> now, you may, you may laugh, which you have. I can tell you what, my three kids loved that car so much that they came back and two of them are still playing rugby and the other one, my daughter, still loves rugby, all because of that car. Can we just confirm this is a, a radio control car, a little one? It's it not was, like a Ford well, Fiesta. It used to break down now and again, didn't it, it, it Mark? Occasionally, yeah, but yes, that was the idea. <laughs> Nick to the idea. Like I nicked most of my ideas at the Natal Sharks, I think. But uh, yeah, it was it was good fun. But the, anyway, the, 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 it started from that car, and now we're <laughs> amazingly, considering there was no blueprint, the pro game is still going strong. And uh, Mark's got about 154 ideas of how where it might get even better. Uh, before we came on air, um, Mark and I have had 600 arguments about promotion and relegation. In fact, we had one at someone's funeral once, which I always felt bad about, didn't we? Yeah, that was pretty inappropriate. It was. It, it, was no, it wasn't actually yeah. in the funeral. No, it was no, in the, no, no, it was in the, the day, drinks afterwards. The yeah. Yeah. But he now tells me that's only the, to axe promotion and relegation, which he's always wanted to do, really, is only the 10th priority in the game. Today, it's a special because we're going to talk about even wider issues than the Grand Slam. We're going to talk about professional rugby. Everyone's got an opinion on it, um, the way it operates on the national scale and the global scale. Everybody's got an opinion on whether the major unions are just bullies and the rest of the game will never catch up with them. And Mark uh, and Owen are two of the best uh, people to to chat through it because the future of the game is not just... um, done on uh, six-year plans, ten-year plans. It's done tomorrow, next week, and, and the week after that. Um, Mark, uh, as we said on Tuesday, was one of the the driving forces of the original professional game. No one knew what the heck was going on. The RFU had not planned anything. So, obviously, the club owners and the investors have, have bailed out 
the whole scene, really, but also it needed hard-nosed people to drive it on. People like Peter Deakin, uh, people like Ed Griffiths, when Saracens made a, a sort of resurgence, and also Mark fr- fr- from day one. Um, Mark, um, you were there when the game went pro. You, mm. you, you produced the famous um, car with the kicking tee on, but that, that, and about a million and one other things. How do you remember those years in the late 90s when we basically didn't know if we were going to get a paycheck next week, did we? Um, well, you didn't. Some clubs, and at some clubs, and this is the, the downside, didn't. You know, I, you know West Hartlepool, Oral, um, Wakefield. Mm-hmm. You know, people do forget that and that there were some casualties. Um, people who overreached, clubs who overreached um, because the cost base was unknown. Um, and I suppose the thing I look back on and, and with regret... The two things I so I, if you could change things, and you know, one would be that the RFU didn't declare a moratorium for a year, and actually had some took a took a brave some brave decisions about how they would run club rugby, and I think that would have saved a huge amount of money. So you're saying that they should that would you regret yeah, the moratorium? I do yeah. very much so because yeah. so they spent a, they said basically we're going to spend a year trying yeah, to work out what and to the, do, and, it, and like it always happens when there's a vacuum, yeah. someone steps in, and yeah. it was John Hall. Mm-hmm. Sir John from Newcastle at the time with a really interesting idea of a Newcastle sporting club rapidly followed by a, a range of people and s- clubs just scrambled I mean I remember Bath saying we can't find anybody meaning we can't find a rich fella and Andrew Brownsword you know all credit to him you know who didn't really like rugby very much but loved Bath um, stepped up Tony Brown Newport you know, who wasn't from Newport, he had a factory in Newport, and he knew how important mm-hmm. the game was to the people of Newport, and put a lot of his own money into it. Rugby's very, very lucky that it had some some people like that, because the game at club level was massively undercapitalized. You say, see, what was it like? I mean, I was at Saracens, and overnight, Nigel Ray came in, and we turned from being a sort of a very overachieving, under-resourced <coughs> club, playing on a very limited sort of place to well people people know and but we didn't really know what we were doing oh and um we never really had in the media everyone and our sports editors understood internationals so did the rest of the world but everyone like from the americans to whoever you were didn't really understand friendlies where you didn't actually have to do anything because you'd have the same friendlies next year how important was it for the media as well as the profile of the game to, to have professional leagues there were already leagues in place, weren't there? Mm. But, Eighty-seven. But, mm. but the but the the point when professionalism came around is is all of a sudden John Hall could buy a team that would win the league, and I, I don't I know that's a, a fairly crude expression. You can buy a team, but but suddenly he was recruiting, and and I, mean, I think we've seen this ever since the game went professional. You, you get someone on a roll like that who's prepared to push the ticket a little bit, and then if you if you want to play, you have to follow, and that and that's what happened really. So, so as, as Mark says, some clubs were able to, some clubs panicked and tried to and failed. Some like like Richmond and uh, uh, got got backers in who 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 then walked out and left the club in you know complete disarray, and and it, there there was a. A real wild west feeling about the place, mm. and, and you didn't know who was who was going to survive, and and that's still the case now. That's still the case now that you have wealth. The, the clubs only survive in this country on on because of wealthy owners. I mean, they're all making a loss, and you get one new wealthy owner in like Bristol. Uh, Steve Lansdowne comes into Bristol, and all of a sudden he's he's got he's got tons of cash, 
I mean, he's he's up there in the what, top fifty wealthiest people in the country, or whatever. So suddenly he's paying players more, and then and then other clubs have to follow. And and, and this is the way it's been ever since. When we started, Mark, mm. would you have settled for? Uh, I mean, we we just didn't know. Uh, you know, okay, Nigel Ray comes in. Other investors come. We didn't know how long they'd stay. Yeah. We certainly didn't, in our wildest dreams, think that a lot of them would still be there now. Or whenever anyone when any, anyone left, someone else would come in. So let's be fair; we were very lucky. Are you? Do you think that actually, looking back now, we've escaped a worst fate in terms of uh, the Aviva Premiership? That's a really good question. Never thought about that. Um, probably. Yeah, although I'm, I'm quite. I, I don't think we've made. I'd look at it the other way. I don't think we've made as much progress as we could have done mm. if we'd done it differently. Having said that, the answer to your direct question is yes. It's probably not as bad as it might have been. Okay, I, I think Owen. I mean, look, I've done this for for a long, long time. I people had to be there at the start or before the start where we used to cover metropolitan police against sidcup <laughs> and all this sort of stuff you had to be there at the start or, or near the start to understand where it what it is now and when you see saracens and what they've done and and, and the, the, the 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 well first of all in their first incarnation to float the game and go up to 18000 within weeks but then um post pinar you could say um, they, they, they then did it again with great skill. Uh, I always think it's so much easier to be Leicester or Gloucester than it is to be Saracens. But um, don't you? Th- I mean, I love the Premiership in all its in all its faults. How about you? I I, I love it too, but I think it's a product that's that's uh, not as um, not as nearly as well marketed as it should have been. I think the the the, the quality of competition and the weekly contests. I mean, the, the results the last few weeks have been extraordinary, haven't they? I mean, mm. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. But you've got you've got how many superstars have we got in this league? And I don't I just think we shout about it a lot enough. I th- I don't think crowds are going up enough. I, mean, I think I think it's an amazing product, and I think it's uh, and I think it's missed by too many people. Mark, um, we've got to put the international team at the top of the pyramid. Okay. Yeah. Um, Last week, Eddie Jones said, well, of course, almost said, what can I do with these this te- teams? In fact, I only get them 13 weeks a year. 13 <laughs> weeks a year. That's one day in every four there with England. <coughs> I-, I could coach Bulgaria to be the Six Nations after 13 weeks. The, 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 yesterday, we had Saracens against Exeter playing with tons of second-team players. Have the Premiership sold out to England no, I don't think they have. I think that the, the the issues are much much broader than that. Okay, but why don't the fans deserve to have their their top players out there? Um, because we've got ourselves uh, a combination of clubs and internationals. Uh, because of a, 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 some things that we'll probably go on to later in the piece, that the costs, which basically means player salaries, are so high that the only way to get anywhere near them, and not even to, other than unless you're the Rugby Football Union or to some extent the FFR, is to put on more games over more weeks every year to try and attract more crowds and more television money. That, that, that is essentially the problem. We have got the cost base of the game out of sync with its revenues and the response 
understandably for the individual unions and the individual clubs is, well, we'll put on more games. Wales will have a fourth international. Um, we'll do three internationals in the summer rather than two. We'll we'll extend it into we'll have we hear people talking about going to fourteen teams and stuff. You know, French season starts in August. All of those things. Never mind talk about Sanzar and Super Fifteen. Um, all of those things come down to one basic problem, which is there are really only two revenue streams of any significance: ticketing and tv stroke media and if those don't match your outgoings because you want to be competitive you're going to generate a whole load of unintended consequences oh and let's talk about outgoings um there is a big a big bill for 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 players now the over gilding of the lily at international <coughs> level in my opinion has been ludicrous it's not that long since francis Barron took the rfu staff and, and 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 culled it to cut costs there are now about four times as many people on the rfu staff as there were then whale whales are buying or have already bought these ice baths from poland at a vast cost millions all they had to do was get on easyjet to poland and they could have used them over there hasn't it all become so pompous and overblown that costs are out of control and not only salaries I think salaries are, are the problem. I mean, it, Wales might have buy, bought a few cryotherapy bars and and um, a, cu- a couple of uh, a couple of extra physiotherapists or whatever, but th- that's that's not what's driven the game into the into the sort of the hole that that Mark just described, where it can't afford itself. It can't afford itself because salaries have just shot up through the roof. If if you went back five years and 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 could remanage what's happened in, in just that half a decade. And saw all this money coming in, but actually said, "We're not going to let player salaries double or triple, which is what they have done." Then you wouldn't have to have that those extra internationals, and you wouldn't have to have all these all this extra garnishing. And oh, we need more more games at club level. The that is where the, in my opinion, the the, the game lost itself. The clubs voted to to be able to pay twice as much to the players as they did five years ago, and all they did was pay the players twice as much. And now they've got to play in order to, to for the clubs to have their revenue. For me... They've got to play for, for their country. Well, they've got to play for their country, they've got to play for their club, which is why the clubs are saying, we want our players for all the big games so we get more people through. Actually, so, for, actually what most of the clubs are saying, I'm correct, they're saying we want more to release our players. Right. Okay, There's well, more well, money in releasing players than there is incremental revenue in attendance. Sorry, I, I'm totally aware of the, of the financial imperatives and the drive, but that is no excuse for... Um, player welfare to go completely out the window Eddie Jones said two, 18 months ago there is no way England should play three test matches in at the end of the season and he said it won't happen again yes it will there's no way you can play four internationals New Zealand Australia South Africa plus someone else in the autumn and then expect your players to go back to their clubs and do well it's a bloody it's a bloody nonsense I agree people should stop putting all the blame out to costs and a lot of it is greed Who's greed? Uni- major unions who are trying to keep their grip grip on it. But I've still a lot of people, friends and that. And I said when I went to come to players I know quite well who are still playing, who are becoming a diminishing band as I get older. And I said, look, guys, you're playing too much, aren't you? I said, they said, yeah, we are. And, and you're getting injured more. Yeah. And it's getting a real drain on your body and careers are going to get shorter and all the rest of it. It's an unbelievable physical game. And we, are, we, all, we all agree we play too much. But, yeah. Okay, okay. 
How about a 25% cut and you play fewer games? Okay. Now, what? until you cannot... And I get that. you It won't come from... But there are lots of other sports around the world that link their player remuneration directly to the level of revenue. And if the level of revenue drops, player remuneration drops. Over time, possibly. We at the moment... And, and actually, we're talking about in a part of the world which actually has got fewer problems than most of the others. Yes. You know? Hmm. Not only is this causing all the issues you've said, Stephen, I agree with entirely, you know, too many games, threats to player welfare, um, tiredness, quite some, some of the games actually being a bit sort of, you know, another one, another competition, an Anglo-Welsh, an A-League. I mean, I'd get rid of all of that. I'd hmm. get rid of all of that. Agreed. Agreed. Um <clears throat> Squad sizes are 53. I mean, how ludicrous is that? But those issues pale into insignificance when you go and look at what's happening in some other parts of the rugby world. But it all comes back to the fact that, for all its problems, England and France are the two biggest markets. They generate 70% of the world's rugby revenue. And therefore, if wages there are going to be that high inevitably it will denude other markets of their top players. Well, as long as it denudes New Zealand, I'm all for it. But You don't mean uh, that. I do. No, you no, don't. I, oh, I do. No, I do. I do. Right. Um, Owen, let's just move on. Um, I'm just going to ask you this question. Promotion and relegation. Um, recently, you, you, you did an article in which you said that the, the idea of, of the closed shop is very much back on the agenda for some. Yeah. And then you appeared to uh, to, to support that. What happened to aspirations and uh, the likes of uh, the next Exeter in your calculations? Well, I'd, I'd love the idea of the next Exeter, and I would never um, legislate against it. Um, so when I when I made that argument, I was very clear that you can put a fence down, but you've got to be able to lift it from time to time. You don't want to cut it off. You, you want to encourage it. Um, but at the moment... At the moment, promotion and relegation doesn't work, and the championship, the, the second division, just doesn't work. The, the only people, the only team that gets promoted is the one that got relegated the season before, and the rest well, of the not always, but usually. Well, for the last, we, we're in a system where I don't think that would change for the next twenty years. What about the, the way championship? Has only maybe two teams that actually want to go up, and only one team can ever go up. They can't afford it. The championship is as a competition doesn't exist it's a series of games we've got to sell stuff to our sports editors okay if there's no relegation um this year is slightly different because it's been with respect rather obvious who the team's going to go down there's always been but it's not always like that sometimes it's a real bun fight and they're brilliant games how are you going to sell uh, a, a week where none of the top teams are playing to your sports editor well i'm i'd like to just go back on what you just said how many how many games have we covered that have been Massive relegation battles. I've covered I, hundreds. Well, in the last I, I, few I, I, years, I've been to. I went to London Irish at Newcastle two seasons ago. I think. Well, I mean, how how many how many years are three teams battling relegation? Well, I, I, mean, I, I, I there have been three te- three times in my memory where it was all down to the last game. One was at Harlequins. No, no, no. I, I, one so, no. was where Worcester had to beat someone at home and they put Saints down. And this is the, the biggest drama. Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm, not, I feel sorry for the clubs. I'm not uh, disagreeing with that, but the, but, it's, but you're talking about maybe 
seven, eight years ago. Evans has got l- you, hasn't he? L- l- <laughs> last, this season we know Irish are going down. Last season we knew Bristol were going down. The season before London that we Welsh. knew... London Welsh we knew on on day two. I mean, I think, I think the idea that, that relegation is a dramatic thing is is historical and, and I think we need to bring well, that back. Well, that's just a recent thing. I mean, you know, next week, next year, Bristol are up. Bristol will be much better. They'll be competitive and it'll be close. And, and, and that's how it should be. And it, that's how the football is. Um, let's ne- go- next season, sorry, no, I just interrupt. Next season, we already know who's going to be relegated. Who? Worcester will be relegated next season. Well, we know it, Steve. No, we don't. We it's, don't. We don't know that at all. Absolutely no way Worcester are surviving next season because Bristol are coming up. They've spent a lot of money and they've got a good team. And Worcester may struggle See, because my, they, my they, argument against it is it stops. Hang on, the, hang on, hang no, on. No, it stops the growth of the game. W- w- interestingly w- enough, Wor- Worcester have made the fatal error of bringing in Alan Solomons, and he's made his normal fatal error of signing 96 South Africans. Worcester is a going concern in a big club, and if they had any sense there, they'd be in the the top half. Well, they're not a going concern. They're losing about five million a year, but... But no, come on. There's a club there. You know there is. Of course there is. There's a club there. Of course they're a great club. I like them. I was probably a bit facetious, but although accurate. (laughs) My... My, facetious, can you be facetious and accurate? Yeah, I just was. I uh, <laughs> the paradox is why I've always been against it, because I want to grow the game. And I'll just give you one, ex- two examples, right? The, and I, and so America's not the same, but this point, I think, does stand up. The NFL is a closed league, and that's the pure point. It's not an it's a closed league in a moment in time. In the 19, early 1970s, there were 16 teams in the NFL, Today, one and a half generations later, there are 32. Now, please don't tell me that closing a league off in the short to medium term means you can't expand it in a controlled manner in the long run. Mark's almost agreeing with me. Six Nations is a closed league. The debate, quite rightly, is not... Should we have, shouldn't, well, it shouldn't be, should we have promotion or relegation? It should be, should you go to seven at some point? Maybe only in 20 years' time. But that's the debate. And that should be the debate about the premiership. Should should we, Mark, listen, I bow to your knowledge of global sport, but why is, America is just not an example for anyone to follow. Oh, you should, I'll use another one if you want. Because, go on. Well, take the, take the biggest sport in Australia, the AFL, okay? Was, 30 years ago, didn't even have a national competition. They were state competitions. Now it's the biggest sport in Australia, winter sport, by a country mile, right? There were 18 teams in that, in, that, in that competition. Did they always have 18? Did they have? They had 12. And that's only because there's no promotion and relegation. It's nothing to do with the, the growth because, of the mass media. No, no, no Nothing no, to do with sports no, because TV. They, because they're a really good example. Because then here we go. Here we have it again in the Six Nations. You do not want to expand your league with a team that is weak. Okay, a weak team coming in. This is my argument against Georgia, right? At the moment, is weakens the tournament. Your weakest team coming in new should get advantages in terms that they should get differential funding. They should get, uh, if you have a draft, which we don't, you have draft exemptions. You have you build them up so that because you're going into territories where you're not weak. You've said it yourself. It's a lot harder in Newcastle than it is in Leicester or Northampton or Gloucester. So what you're saying is you, you, should, you should earmark teams. You basically have what I call managed growth. If we're looking at the game 
and our and my one of my passions is I want this game to be bigger than it actually than it than it is at the moment. You go and say, you know what? And I, I declare an interest. Okay, um, Cornwall, half a million people, no football, going hopefully to have a decent stadium and a rugby hotbed. Okay, but the difference between what you're paying in the Championship and what you pay even to come eleventh in the Premiership is something like eight million pounds. I'm sorry, that is a really bad way to just, do just it. Just come back to understood, understood. Let's come back to that in a second. Oh, in um, Mark saying that you don't want anyone coming up who's weak. Okay, when Exeter came up, they were absolutely hundreds to one on to be relegated. They beat Bristol in many ways fortuitously with a Gareth Steenson penalty. Mm. Everyone thought this is going to be an absolute joke. How do you target managed growth? And we, do we say in the papers, and the next team for managed growth on their way <laughs> up are? The managed growth league. The managed growth by, team, yeah. By but you, say, you say, where are we, we weak and where do we think we could over 20 years? So you do it geographically. Or, or, or you do it where there's a market. At the end of the day, you say, where are there enough people who really love our game you see, create an audience. That, that's interesting. So, so, so first of all, on the extra thing, uh, I agree. Um, brilliant role models. Ten million but, but, pound capital um, injection from a land sale didn't have help. Yeah, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, hey, that's that. So, what are you going to do? Give it back? Well, no. That, well, that's what happens. No. that's what happens. Nigel Ray was it was a windfall. Course, he didn't know. Of course, that's, um, what, that's what happens. No, Steve, that's when, my whole argument. Uh, uh, Therefore, yeah, you the can't is, come up with do you one. Put, do you put ten million quid into something if you're a businessman, unless you've really gone into it and studied it? Yes. All the no. time, you buy a yacht. That's an, so. Uh, every, the point is, is, therefore, is, you're saying nobody. Your extra is always the example you use. Well, it's not you, a bad so example. I'm saying, can you get promoted without a windfall? Yes, of course you, you can. Give me an example. Of well, one. I mean, loads of teams have been promoted without the windfall. Who? London Welsh. But that's, and then went but, straight back down. What? And, right, and committed right, suicide that's in the process. Question. And nearly yeah, put no, the club I mean, look, they. I if they hadn't gone up, they'd probably still be a professional team. I totally agree. Look, I'm a London Welsh member. I've been since the 70s. And, and recently I went to a lunch there, a dinner there, with a great night. And I met there thousands of people I played with who've all come back now because it's our club again. Mm. And, and no one wanted to go to Oxford and Whitney or wherever they were going to go. Again, if you're saying Exeter is slightly different, well, so is London Welsh in, in, in the other way. Mark, what are you saying? You're in charge of the new structure, okay? <laughs> right. Here's the team. It's a, it's a closed shop for how long? No, okay. My my first point would be, as I said to you earlier, off air, promotion relegation. I think is almost past its sell by date for rugby in this country. I don't think it's the, one of the big big issues we need to fix. Okay, so but I, I'm happy to talk about it. But I, it would be nowhere near top of my list. But would, okay, but would you keep it? Would I keep it at the moment? Yeah. If I could get other things in exchange, yes, I would. You keep promotion. But if I could change everything, I would like to change. No, I wouldn't. Right, you're in charge. What, mm. what, 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 can, what are you going to change? Can I just so, so, no, no, just just on, on this promotion relegation, yeah. and which clubs in this country actually want to go up into the Premiership? Because I reckon who are in the Championship or or, or below? Because I reckon you can name them. Obviously, Bristol. You, Bristol, Obviously. we know Yorkshire Carnegie in the long run. Cornish Pirates in the long run. Yes, but if Cornish Pirates won the championship this season, then they, they, it would just be a disaster. Be a it? disaster. So b- beyond that, anyone else in the championship? Um, Eating Trail Finders say they do. Th- yeah, but if, if they went up, London. I reckon they'd be bust within a month. Below that, maybe Coventry and Tunbridge Wells. Apparently, are very um, 
very cool. I mean, here's the thing. Very I mean, if, ambitious. If, if you say, I mean, outside of England, England maybe could support two tiers. I'm not sure they can, but maybe. Certainly not in the structure we've got now. Most other countries certainly can't. They, they just can't. I mean, it's really interesting. Australia tried to put in a second tier in between the Super 15s and the club rugby, and it and it's just died a death. It's a yeah. great way of producing players, but it's a financial black hole. Mark, what's your plan? Briefly, what's your plan? Briefly, it's impossible. You said the headlines. Yeah, headlines, I, yeah. Fine. Well, independent governance of the league is is a, would be a big step. We, we we don't even have an independent chairman now, so therefore you have somebody who is passionate about their own club also chairs the league. Now that to me seems. And nonsensical uh, and is not how do you then govern the league in the interest of the league when you've got somebody it's, it's a clear conflict independent governing so, I, in, so no an independent just let's well an independent governance i'd actually try and get a sort of a commission I, i'd empower the center a lot lot more than we have at the moment hmm. um, and i'd have a lot of the authority vested in the league as opposed to its constituent clubs um, i'd have a i'd have a collective bargaining agreement um, with the players union um, for conditions of service, some of the conditions of service for the championship clubs uh, players are, 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 are we should be ashamed in mm. this country. Would, that, would, that we would, have would, professional rugby players on that sort of money. Would, we don't even have a minimum wage. Would that be would that be a body which you feel would have to keep a, 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 a check on wages? Well, there's lots. Of course, it's part of the you bargain. It's a collect. You, you bargain with the with the with the players' union and the mm. league and the union because uh, of the system we've got. Will come to a collective bargaining agreement. They do it in, they do it in cricket. They do it in, they do it in virtually every other sport. We just okay. let wages get determined okay. by negotiation by individual players. Okay. It's it, crazy. So we got individual uh, uh, chairman, uh, uh, and then we got a collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, I'd have a squad size cap. Yeah, um, I get rid of all the A leagues. I get rid of all the Anglo Welsh. I get rid of every. I just basically we are a Premiership team. We run a Premiership squad. Of thirty-six players, we totally play Europe that. and we play that. Oh, and you like that? Just just clearing away all this, all the dross. Uh, yeah, uh, well, Anglo Welsh has got to go. A League is a nonsense. Yeah, they've got they've got that wrong. They're fighting for that. The clubs, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. But ha- ha- what do you do with your kids that come through the academy then? They play. They play well, in the perfection. Do, in, do in you work on that dual registry? We're, we're getting into real uh, uh, minutiae, but. Roughly, okay. I like the system that Apologies says. Apologies to everyone listening. I'm fascinated by this minutiae. <laughs> it's, it's become. I, I'd start. So let's say let's take a uh, let's take a uh, let's take a squad of 36 for, however, uh, you know the, the six European games and and the 22. So 28 games, squad of 36. You also then run second tier squad, and they have to be under a certain age. And if you get injuries, here's another thing I think is wrong with our game. And I'll tell you this from personal experience. When I ran Melbourne Storm, we had a salary cap that worked and we lost our best, well, one of our best players who took 15% of our cap in game one, minute 23. I'll never forget it. He didn't play again the whole season. Now, under our system over here, you can go out and just spend more money under an injury dispensation. Yeah. In the NRL system, they just say, suck it up. Hard luck, that's sport, it's all about luck. You're going to have to work real hard. Okay. And we worked with an 85% salary cap all year. What does that do? Well, it makes it more interesting. No one's won the NRL back-to-back since 92. Hmm. That's not a coincidence. Hmm. You don't, know, so... Don't you think that Saracens, having put all everything into what they've done, deserve to 
win it 10 years on the trot if they no, can. No, I think it's financial doping. Financial doping? <laughs> it's like Man City. I, 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 look, I think, Matt, I love watching Man City. That's like Team Sky. It was I, Dave Brown's who talked love, about financial doping. I love doping. watching Man City. I think Guardiola's an absolutely sensational coach. But do I think, in my sporting sense, do I enjoy seeing a, comp- a, a team funded by a sovereign state winning the EPL because of the amount of money they spend? No, I don't. But you can't. But theoretically, at least, financial doping can't exist in the uh, in the Premiership because there's a salary cap. Well, if you well, that's well, that is the theory. That is the theory. Right, Mark, ne- your next um, financial <laughs> doping. That might, don't know whether that'll uh, pass the lawyer, but um, <laughs> we'll ask him to come in a minute to get the bloke with the wig in. Um, carry on. What, what are your other concessions to retain promotion and relegation? So we've gone through so a collective bargaining agreement, squad side, independent commission, fewer games. Well, actually, I'd settle for that. I, I, that would be a decent start. Well, I think that is a decent oh, start. Oh, and a salary cap that works. OK, OK. I think the squad cool. size of 36 is a bit bonkers. Squad size, is, games it, you play. squad size has got to go up, and I think there should be a... Uh, minimum squad size, because if if you have a if you have a minimum number of players in your squad, say forty, then you have to share and, the and no maximum. The, you ha- well, and you have a, and you have a maximum. Then you have to have you have to have them all playing more playing less games. Yeah. Right. While we all calm down, we'll be back shortly. Welcome back to the ruck. We've just given a good dusting to the idea of promotion and relegation. And uh, I think Mark and uh, Ando are to- talking big sense there. We may disagree about some of it. I may be more into the ethics and uh, good goodness of rugby than some people who are obsessed by finance. But um, fair enough. I do like the idea of just clearing out the season, less, less fixtures, and, you know, Monday night... Um, a game, blimey, good for the lads in there. But uh, don't you, just finally on that, uh, Mark, would not uh, some of these lads who don't hardly ever play for their mm. pro clubs would they not go into the championship and be useful? Yeah, I, I would have a feeder system like baseball in America. Okay, and I, I'd make it one of the conditions of being in the league that you matched up with a team in the next tier down. Okay, Cornwall. Um, yeah. We've all been there on tours and had a magnificent time. <laughs> and look, I just love the place. I love it in the spring, the summer, autumn and the winter. Stadium for Cornwall. Are we almost there or are you almost there with the stadium? Yeah, well, we're either... It's certainly coming to the sharp end. Um, right. It'll either get the funding that we've requested. We've raised quite a bit in the private sector um, and we're now asking um, Cornwall Council whether they would... Um, uh, they would partner with us to, to to bring it to fruition. It'll be decided by April. It'll either it'll either happen or um, or unfortunately. That what, would what's be. your what's your gut feeling? Uh, I, I I don't I don't have a gut feel. I'm okay. not. I don't live in Cornwall. I'm not there enough to work the sort of. It, at the end of the day, it comes down to a vote of the full council, and uh, hopefully we'll we're going to work as hard as we possibly can to make sure Owen, we win that vote. Oh, in uh, stadium for Cornwall, it sounds great, especially when you're talking about. Wouldn't it be nice to have an Exeter? Then you've got someone on the west, even if it's only in the championship, as long as they're good and competitive. Oh, I'd love it. I, I, what I don't know is it, what, what's the capacity intended. First phase, which is where all the money yeah. is, is about five and a, five, five six thousand, hmm. and you could get it to Premiership standard of ten thousand, which you need with it over over a summer. There's no point putting that in while they're in the championship. And if, if if say you, you got it up to ten and and mm. and and were allowed to be promoted, mm-hmm. uh, how how quickly would you get a decent crowd? What crowd would you get? Oh, 
nobody nobody can predict that. But but the marketing it, people must have. Well, I, I do a fair bit of work in this area, and 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 it, but the, the basic rule of thumb is: Do you have half a million people within forty-five minutes drive of your ground without a major football club? That's a sort of really decent rule of thumb. Though there are some historical exceptions to that, but that pretty mm. much works virtually everywhere, mm. and that's what. Given that they that's why they want to move from Penzance, which is right down the bottom, as we all know, to Truro, which is right in the middle. And then when they do that, I think they've got a market, and I think therefore they could get to start with in the Premiership eight, nine, ten thousand. So, so if you basically looking for areas where they haven't got a decent football club anywhere near Highbury in North London would be um, a possibility. <laughs> um, uh, Mark, rugby league, one of yeah. one of your. Um, other loves or one of your main loves, maybe. No, you no, no, no. I'm a union th- board, right? I do okay. like league. Okay. Um, Boston, Massachusetts. Mm. Um, like As I said at the start, um, <laughs> how do you get a club in Boston that works when you can't get one in London for rugby league? Well, we don't know yet. Um, and it's in it's very it's very early days, um, but I'm 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 helping out in a, in a pretty minor capacity with uh, a group that are seeing are doing a sort of feasibility with other people who are sort of trying to put it together in that bit of America. Oh, indeed. <coughs> and to, to see whether it could it, it would stack up, oh. and uh, it doesn't look completely bonkers, uh, as, it bonkers as it sounds. Well, that's good because it sounds bonkers. It bloody does, doesn't oh, it? Oh, in uh, rugby league. Um, my son Duncan is a, is a massive rugby league fan. Nice. I've watched it. I still is, and I, I've watched it for donkey's years. In fact, the second game I ever covered for the Sunday Times was was the rugby league final. But it really is, in terms of um, promotion and, and visibility in the South, really at a low ebb at the moment. What, what, do you, do you, what do you think of the game? And and it's no longer. Do you see it as a rival to rugby union as it used to be? No, not really. I think it's um, become a bit of a, a feeder sport in some respects, which they'll, a rugby league people will, will hate hearing. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Um, uh, it hasn't it hasn't worked down here. I remember when the, when rugby league turned itself into the Super League, which was really just a form of, of repackaging itself, and, uh, and and finding that quite exciting at the time, and and feeling that they were uh, going to make uh, grounds into the union game. But in fact, over the two decades since, the, the opposite has happened. It's funny. There's a, there's a documentary on BBC Wales from Carolyn hit this this Friday, I think, about. Um, all the people who went north, and mm. they all said, oh, "I want to further my blah blah blah." Obviously, they, they, they went for the money. But Mark, um, mm. let's be fair. Rugby league's got to keep going. Um, mm. there's, there are rumours that um, Sky are not going to pay as much for next time because they've got to save money for football. What should they do? Ah, look, rugby league uh, is. I, I love the sport, and, and uh, it's interesting having worked in a country which is much bigger than rugby union, mm. and you get a lot of the counter arguments. That was a good learning mm. experience for me. Um, I, I think rugby league, um, it's cultural, sports cultural. It's very, very hard to grow a sport in an area where there is no cultural affinity. I know that sounds incredibly sort of highfalutin. But it's true. But it's true. Mm. Okay, you can't make people love a sport that they don't know. Um, well, you can, but it costs an awful lot of money 
Um, I mean, I really an awful lot of money. So yeah, and I, it's a slow process, and, and a million and one takes, people have failed trying and, to do and, this. And I think that actually, that uh, rugby league needs to uh, concentrate a lot of its limited resources on being strong in its heartlands, mm. because you don't have to be an international game. I'll go back to a sport I keep referring to because it's so influential. AFL, which is the biggest sport in Australia, only got twenty three million people in the whole country is the dominant sport in four states. It's got a total market of about 13 million people, and it outrates every other football code in the country on any metric, attendance, revenue, membership, whatever mm. you so like. So how does that apply to Rugby League in England? What I'm saying is I think sometimes Rugby League have got carried away with some kind of um, shimmer yeah. that, oh, we just need to be a national sport. I'm not totally I mean rugby union is not a national sport at yeah. a professional level hmm. let's be quite hmm. clear I, 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 you know, I disagree with not. that I, I sorry I agree with that I, they, they've spent rugby league has has made so many attempts to 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 reach out and 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 take over and and be but it's it's brilliant where it is and well actually you could argue rugby league should concentrate on Manchester and Liverpool but where, where is, at, there are two big cities where it's not that strong. But the thing is, they keep on, you know, they keep on trying with London, and you know, London's it was in the ploughed field in Oxfordshire a few years ago. It, you know, it, it is it does surprise me actually. But if you can get it off in London, as you say, Mark, if you can't do London, you should and Boston, Massachusetts, you should <laughs> you should, uh, you should actually give up. Let me ask you one more thing, guys, before we go. Um, I think we give them the whole game a bit of a dusting, but. Um, one more issue, guys, on Monday. Okay, just one more thing, briefly. Um, early hours of Monday morning, I was watching from the Nevada desert the HSBC uh, American leg of the Sevens. Uh, we've seen we've seen the um, uh, Olympics. We've seen that do, make a gorgeous impact. We saw Perry Baker become the best attacking rugby player I've ever seen. Uh, agree or disagree? Sevens, do we love it? Is it getting above his station? Is it affecting the development of 15-a-side games in places like America, Canada and the Pacific Islands? Mark? Yes, I love it. I don't love it as much as 15s. And it's doing a much better job than 15s is in growing the footprint of the sport. Um, those countries you've mentioned, growing rugby through sevens is a lot easier. And the 15s game, in some ways, you could argue, is shrinking in terms of its competitiveness. There aren't that many countries, in fact, there are probably fewer than there were 30 years ago, where 15s is... is, You can't genuinely argue that 15s is stronger in Australia than there was, Romania, Italy, that it's just South Africa. Canada. Canada. It's just not true. So that sevens is, is... which doesn't have as much baggage, which doesn't have as many vested interests, which is lower cost... He's doing a fantastic job. Oh, in uh, that doesn't do Rugby World Cup, which is the end, the, the financial generator of, of so much of rugby, doesn't do any good if the number of competitive teams goes down and down. Mark is saying that they go, uh, it's, Sam's is promoting the sport, but that in many countries, rugby is retreating in terms of class at top level. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think seven successes is is making 15s less Correct. less powerful I agree. elsewhere. I agree. I just think I think 
the world world rugby formerly the IRB has has spent decades trying to a, a bit like rugby league trying to move into different territories and trying to get America or Germany or whatever we, we've been talking about this for years haven't we what, when are we going to see some more superpowers in rugby and, and and it has failed but then you look at the sevens and you see countries that aren't traditional rugby countries competing and I think that's fantastic. Finally Mark you started off as a um, gnarly old hooker with mm. Saracens in Bramby Road where <laughs> people used to walk their dogs across the field. That's a myth? No it's not. Actually. Despite, That's all, true. despite true. all the meetings you've been in and all the times you've banged yeah. your head against a brick wall do you still love rugby? Absolutely besotted by it. Slotty? Even though you're in your current elevated state. <laughs> well, as rugby I, I am the king so I have to don't I? Uh, yeah. Well Honestly, to honest answer to that question is since I've been a full-time rugby journalist, I found it more interesting uh, than I had previously suspected, almost for this very reason, because I think rugby is, uh, is you could call it a crisis or you can call it a, a fascinating point in its development, because we don't know where it's going and it actually isn't working. Uh, I think some parts of its culture are not as white saintly as we think but um there we go i still think it's a great thing for young boys and t to play and also young girls and the one good thing about it is the sevens is bringing people in and when you say that the iranian team have got a world a, a women's sevens team well that's that's something and we're not spoken about the girls yet but um uh, how fantastic the, the boom there but i think everyone should be on their guard i love it too but only in relatively small doses sometimes. Hang in there, Jonesy. Hang, Hang in there. It's all right. Keep the faith. Mark Evans of... Uh, of everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, so we haven't got time. Um, <laughs> Mark Evans of everywhere. Thank you, Mark. And uh, hurry back into rugby. I think it, it needs you. I can't believe that you're not gainfully employed in a massive job. And Owen, you are gainfully employed in a massive job. And you just won an award for it. Thanks a million, guys. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.